welcome good evening everyone i want to welcome you to today's review today we'll be reviewing the concluding chapters of the book how to pray effectively by christ oyakilome last week we reviewed chapter one to five today we will start from chapter six and the chapter there, chapter 6, the topic there is the prayer of agreement. And the writer started by emphasizing the fact that the prayer of agreement is another means that God has given to us to bring great change into the earth. And the scriptural reference is Matthew 18:19 where Jesus said, If two of you shall agree on it, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. The requirement for the prayer of agreement is one. The participant must be on it. Two, there must be at least two of them. Three, they must agree. Four, they must ask or make the definite request. The prayer of agreement is also noted by the author that is a decree. That the prayer of agreement has no limit. That even if when one party doubts or one or two party has doubt in their mind or in their spirit, that it doesn't affect the prayer, it doesn't limit the effectiveness of the prayer. In fact, the emphasis there in that scripture that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, anything that they shall ask shall be done for them. So as many, uh, whatever it is that the parties are agreeing on, there's no limit to it and it shall be done for them. So we move on to chapter 7, the prayer of intercession. The writer noted there that the Holy Spirit has an intercessory ministry that he carries out through us, through the believer. And But he also noted also that the believer has his own personal intercessory ministry. He noted some of the rules for intercessory prayers. He said one of them is that you don't intercede for yourself. Intercessory prayer is not for yourself, but it's a prayer that is made for others, a prayer that is done for others. Then number two, he said you continue to pray about the same thing over and over again until the changes come. That is unlike the prayer of faith that we looked at, where when you continue praying over that same thing, it's like you are undoing the prayer. But in the case of the prayer of intercession, said that person you can continue to pray over you are interceding the focus is to bring change is the, the focus there is to pray God's power upon the individual in such a way that the individual conforms to the will of God the power of God comes upon the individual to bring change in that individual's life so you must be persistent in praying 
you must be persistent in that place of prayer until you see the change the prayer doesn't the, the intercessor doesn't stop then he also noted that intercession is a divine responsibility of every child of god every child of god is an is an intercessor it is our divine ministry so it is not something that we can rule out it is not something that we can be excused from and he noted that when it comes to the prayer of intercession he mentioned he talked about some important points to note about prayer he said prayer is a privilege it is a great way of maintaining a relationship with the lord prayer is also a command and a divine responsibility given to us by god and we saw that from the text first timothy 2 1 where paul was writing to timony to timothy sorry i exalt therefore that first of all all supplications prayer intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men so we saw that paul was writing to timothy and he was exalting timothy to stand in a place of intercession and praying for men so told he said prayer is a discipline we must discipline ourselves when it comes to the prayer of intercession it is not a prayer when, that we pray when we feel like or we you know we can say okay i don't want to pray because i'm not in the is in the mood to pray it's a prayer that requires discipline so he noted that, that we must discipline ourselves we must know that it's our life work there is nothing that excuses that excuses us from this uh, this responsibility it's a responsibility that we have as children of God. And God requires that we fulfill this responsibility. He also talked about laboring in prayer. That has to do with fervent prayer. Agonizing in prayer. He likened it to a struggle, to a fight. He said, actually, you are not actually fighting probably with a demon or fighting, but rather you are fighting against the details of your flesh. Where the flesh is saying, I want to sleep, I want to relax, I'm not in the mood to pray. But you are fighting, you are struggling against these details, these uh, uh, details of the flesh. You are saying even though it's not enjoyable, you discipline yourself to pray. Then he also talked about, noted, don't be callous. So this has to do with uh, the nonchalant attitude of some believers that feels that they are just concerned about themselves. They don't. Uh, they don't want to bear the burden of uh, the believer who has not been able to grow, you know, in his knowledge of God. They don't want to bear the burden of praying for that believer, and they feel that, that maybe uh, is it not because he's relaxed. Or because he's, uh, he doesn't want to commit, that is why his life is like that. They don't even want to, you know, to bear the burden of the sinner, a man who has not known God, or somebody, the uh, 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 somebody that is sick, an unbeliever that is sick, or an unbeliever that is passing through one challenge that requires our prayers. So he talked about having this compassionate heart, just like Jesus. 
in his ministry on earth, having compassion for the people. And as a result of this, he ministered to the lives of these people. He noted that as believers, this is our responsibility. We are to pray, we are to intercede and pray for for believers, for, for believers who are not strong in the faith and for unbelievers who have not known God. He also noted that we should develop the intercessor in us. We have to train ourselves to be able to, to measure up to this responsibility that God has given to us. We have to train ourselves. And how do we do that? We have to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time in prayer. We train ourselves. He talked about himself. He gave an instance about himself that in his early days in, the, in Christianity, he had to set up his alarm, the alarm of his clock, so that he can wake up at a particular time in the night to pray for certain people and events and situations. And that because he was doing this consistently, it became a part of him. And it, it was not, it doesn't, uh, uh, it, it, it gets to a point where he actually doesn't need the clock anymore, the alarm anymore. So he just he encouraged us that we should we should develop intercessor in us. We'll talk to chapter eight, praying for the saint. Who are the saints? The saints are the believers. So he noted here that we are to pray for the saint. There are many in the church, many that are lost in the church, who doesn't who don't know their right from their left. It's our responsibility, the responsibility of those who have grown, who have matured in the faith to pray for them, to intercede for them. And he gave uh, the scriptural reference from uh, Ephesians 1, 15 to 19. And he talked of areas where we should pray for these people. He talked about wisdom and revelation, that we should also pray for ourselves in this line. We should pray, we should intercede for the believers, the born-again believers, who are lost in the church, who do not have divine insight about God. People who are born again, but they, they, they are not walking in the light of God's word. That is our responsibility to intercede on their behalf. It's our responsibility to pray for them. So God expects us to stand in the gap to pray for them. He also talked about the knowledge of God's will. Look at Colossians 1, 9 talked about praying on the knowledge of God's will. Say, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There you see him emphasizing wisdom and spiritual understanding. It is something that the believer needs. It is something that the believer cannot do without. So it is expected that we intercede in prayers for believers to grow in their knowledge of God, to grow in their knowledge of God and, uh, and spiritual things. So he also talked about the spirit of mind. Now, he noted here that when he says the spirit of mind, is not referring to the muscle, to the physical strength. No. He said it, refer, it refers to the miraculous working ability of God through the Spirit. The Spirit of mind not only gives us boldness, but also brings you that overpowering force 
of extraordinary power that overcomes and surpasses strength itself. So that is just a, a short, you know, explanation of what the spirit of mind he was talking about. And that he said, this is something that the believer needs, that we need to pray for the spirit of might in the life of every believer. And we should also pray for that even for ourselves. Then he talked about Christ in our heart. He talked about having Christ in our heart. Now he said, he read the scriptural reference there is Ephesians 3. 14 to 17. The Spirit of God at several times inspired Paul to the church and instructing them in prayer. He said the, the, that Ephesians 3, 4, 14 to 17 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. So he emphasized there that Christ dwelling in the heart of the believer. He noted that, he noted another scripture, Colossians 1, 27, where Paul was saying that Christ in you is the hope of glory. So Christ in the believer, Christ in us is our only hope of glory. That reason we need to pray for believers for Christ to be in them. Then he also talked about the love of Christ. The love of Christ. Now he talked about here the that's the scriptural reference here is also Ephesians 13. Ephesians 3, sorry, 17 to 19. That ye be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all sense what is the breadth, the length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes, which passes knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that prayer that Paul prayed here, prayed it was a prayer that the believer will have a revelation of the love of God in his daily walk. That the believer will be able to comprehend, will be able to know the length, the breadth, the height and depth of the love of our Lord Jesus Christ who suffered, who died for us. We see that today, you see, majority of, of, of us believers, sometimes we miss it. We tend to pick offense where it's not even needed. You know, that is because sometimes we are overwhelmed with uh, probably the situation or circumstances at that particular time. And then we react, forgetting, you know, our mission, forgetting our purpose. That is what Paul, that's what the writer here was emphasizing. You see some people, like the writer emphasizes, some people can say, I cannot please you and displease myself. It's a popular saying amongst unbelievers and believers. And he noted here, people who talk this way are people who lack understanding, who do not have insight of what the plan of God is. 
they are yet to have an understanding of the love of God. So it is our responsibility to pray for the people of God who do not have this insight into the love of Christ. He talked about utterance and boldness. Here he said we need to pray for the saints. We need to pray for them to be bold in preaching the word, to be bold in declaring the gospel. Then he talked about that love may abound. That love may abound. So he talked about, he prayed that love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. So this is a vital prayer that we need to pray for the believer and also pray for ourselves. So we must learn to intercede for others. We must learn to intercede for the saint as regards to this particular aspect. So he talked about praying for material need. Praying for material need, chapter 9. This is a this particular chapter is a chapter that is very uh, that has a great exposition, you know, a great revelation. For me personally, he talked about, we looked at that. The scriptural reference there is First Corinthians three twenty one to twenty three. So there are some prayers he noted there. Say people praying, Father, give me a house. Lord, please give me a car. You know, please give me uh, uh, what I need for today to survive for today. We looked at we looked at that scripture, First Corinthians three twenty one to twenty three. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos, Cephas, or the world all life, all death, all things present, all things to come, all are yours. And they are Christ. And Christ is God. It's just an amazing scripture. So he emphasized there that we do not need to beg for what we need. That scripture said it all that everything are has they all belong to us you can imagine somebody begging for what is already is it's appalling so the writer really expansiated on this particular this particular chapter he talked about my God shall supply all your needs. My God shall supply all your needs. He noted here that this is a fact. It's a fact, it's not a promise. That when a need is, we, we have a need, that we should know that our desire, our need is our expressions of God's desire for us. So he emphasized that. In fact, the opening, the, what he said in the opening paragraph of that particular scripture, he said, What we should note is that God is more willing to meet 
our need that we are willing to receive them. And as I meditate on that, I said, this is very true. Because when we look at what Jesus said, what Jesus said about God already knows what we need even before we pray and we begin to ask him for these needs. So it is very clear. And we look at our earthly father, when we begin to compare our earthly fathers, we see that even before our children, our children do not bother about what they will eat. They are not worried about it, their needs, because they have this confidence that uh, one way or the other, my parents will take care of it. So this is the kind of confidence that we are supposed to have as children of God. So he noted there and emphasized there in that scripture that that particular chapter that we are not supposed to be begging for what is us already. God, our needs, by the time we, we, are, we are conscious of a need, it's already lined up for God's supply. You know, it's already lined up for, into God's supply system. So it is coming. We have received, it has been released already. All we need is to receive it. Then it talked about voice the supply, not the need. Where we have a situation where having prayed, we'll still be saying, ah, I don't pray, I, I trust God, Sha. It is hard though, but I trust God. So we are still focused on our needs. What he told us in that particular, that particular chapter that we should be more conscious of the supply, not the need. And that it is not that we are just saying it, but we believe it. It is something we know. It is something we believe. So by the time we start focusing on our need, we start emphasizing the need, you know, we begin to, to lose sight of God's provision. But all that we need for life, God has already made available unto us. He said, it is no longer give us this day our daily bread. He talked about the prayer Jesus taught the disciples before his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He said, it is no longer, that prayer is no longer the prayer we should be praying. Because in the sacrifice that Jesus paid, everything is covered. Our daily bread is a short thing. It's not something we are supposed to be asking for, fasting and praying to, to receive. It's something that is a short thing that's already released on us. Then he said, you shall lay up gold as dust. You shall lay up gold as dust. And he said, this has, this, when you say lay up gold as dust, it means your supply never ends. Our supply never ends. Likened it to when you wipe a surface, you wipe dust off a surface within seconds. You see the dust settling again back on that surface. You see, that is how it is for us as believers. We will never run short of finances of whatever we need. Then he talked about don't stay in the finishing process. That is, we should make up our mind not to focus on our lack. 
to make up our make up our mind not to be lack conscious but to be supply conscious and he said we must bring ourselves to that position where we know by the time by the time we keep focusing on our lack we see ourselves you know going down to zero because we are focusing on the lack and we are not declaring the supply declaring the word the supply that god has you know has given to us then we talked on chapter 10 we are going to move into chapter 10 the prophetic prayer the defined prophetic prayer referred to it as the prayer in which you speak the will and purpose of god you speak it into being by the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The prophetic prayer refers to the prayer in which you speak the will and purpose of God into being by divine inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So the scriptural request reference there, sorry, is Jonah 2, 1 to 4. It's talking about Jonah's prayer while he was in the belly of, of the of the fish, his prophetic prayer that he was praying in the belly of the fish. He moved forward to refuse to observe lying vanities. Lying vanities. You know, sometimes when you are passing through some challenges, some thoughts. We just be coming. Some negative thoughts will just be coming. Could be because of the situation and circumstances or challenging time or trying time you are passing through. Or pleasant situation, unpleasant circumstances. You see that naturally the flesh will begin to, you know, some negative thoughts will begin to come. But we still we saw that. In the case of Jonah, why he was even in the belly of the of the of the fish, he refused to have, to to accept the negative situation he found himself. He refused to to accept the gloomy circumstances and lying vanities he was seeing. Right there, he was praising God. He didn't allow that situation to weigh him down. He didn't give up. He was praising God right there. You know, right there, he was seeing the positive, not the negative. Turn your trials into triumphant praise. Jonah's situation, praising God in the belly of the fish. Praising God, and as he was praising God, God caused that same fish which God instructed to swallow him up, that same fish, God also instructed that fish to, you know, to vomit him out in the shore, in the dry ground. So the same thing, when we, when we, when we find ourselves in difficult situation, in trying situation, we should turn that situation into a triumphant praise, into a, into a, a, a place of worship, of praising God, and then we see God pulling us out of that situation. Prayer 
of worship, praise, and thanks given. That's chapter 11. Prayer of worship, praise, and thanks given. Yeah, the scriptural reference here is Revelation 1, 6. Revelation 1, chapter 6. Also look at Psalm chapter 69, verse 30 to 31, where David wrote by revelation that worshipping, praising, and giving God thanks pleases God more than the sacrifices of bulls and goats. So, David by revelation was comparing the Old Testament uh, ways of, uh, uh, of offering sacrifice to praise, worship, and thanksgiving. And he said, this pleases God more than the sacrifice of bulls and goats. Then he talked about that, that under that, that particular verse and chapter, we looked at lifting holy hands brings victory. Lifting holy hands brings victory. The writer there talked about lifting hands in worship. Lifting our hands up in worship. In worship to God brings us victory. He noted that when we are passing through difficult times, where we have prayed, we have confessed, we have, we have done all we needed to do, and there's no change, that we should pray lifting up our hands. And this is a sign of victory in the Spirit. And we'll see that we will prevail, and that situation will turn around and we will be victorious. Then he looked at, on that, that same chapter, he talked about worship in the New Testament. And Jesus noted there in John 4, 23, Jesus noted the characteristics of true worshipers. And that true worshipers must worship the Father in truth and in spirit. And he said when he says worshiping the Father in truth and in spirit, it means that for one to worship God, that person has to be born again and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the only way through which one could worship God. Then he talked about the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Wrote sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, even in a situation where things are terrible, a terrible situation or circumstances, we must praise God and worship Him and give Him thanks. And when we are praising God, is there something is said there that it must come with reasons. It's not just to verbally just be saying it, saying, God, I thank you, God, I praise you. The substance there is what God has done. What are the reasons? As we are praising God, we are telling God, I'm praising you for this, I'm praying, praising you for this, I'm praising you for that. Then he talks about that even in that situation, when we are in a, in a situation where we are facing challenge, where there are trials and, situa and, 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 
and circumstances that are that are challenging we should praise god we should give we should worship him we should give him praise and we will see him you know his power coming down mightily and turning that situation around for our good we'll see his, his, his power coming down mightily and we'll see the situation turning down turning around positively for our good he gave some instance in the scripture the the, the instance where Jehoshaphat King Jehoshaphat was faced with three nations coming together to to engage him in a battle and he cried to God and under divine instruction through praise putting singers in front as they were going for the battle God gave them victory he also cited uh, from the scripture where Paul and Silas were also arrested and they were praying they were singing praises to God and then we see the power of God coming down mightily with earthquake and the prison doors became open. Their bands were broken and God made a way for them. So these were some, some scriptural reference he made. He finally, we looked at, looked at the sun and you won't see the shadows. Look at the sun and, we, and you won't see the shadows. This simply means focusing on Jesus rather than your situation. Worshipping Jesus, worshipping the Lord, rather than focusing on whatever challenges you are passing through. When you focus on the Lord in prayer, in praise and worship, you will see Him doing exploits in your life. So, this is, this brings us to the close or rather the end of this review of the book how to pray effectively what we have done so far is just uh, a summary of the book i would advise that you take your time to read it for yourself and then you will be able to get the full details and i promise you'll be blessed the information in the book will, will greatly enrich your life and I pray that all we have learned from this book will walk in the light of the truth we have learned. And we will see things changing in our lives. We will see the power of God manifesting in our lives individually, our families, and even in our place of work, even in the society at large. When I was going through this book, something just registered in my spirit. You see, you see people in this our generation famous uh, you have this superstar maybe they are coming to a particular uh, town or city you see people paying so much just to look at them and they will not even get anything out of that meeting but you see them so eager even believers you see them so anxious to meet with these so-called superstars but we see that god has given us a key God has given us prayer to bring change to not only our life, the lives of our family members, to even our nation. To even our nation. 
We see so many things going wrong in our nations. That prayer, the prayers of the believers can turn those situations around. And yet, we are not making effective use of this weapon that God has given to us. But this book has, has been an eye-opener for us. This book is an inspiration for us to go back, you know, and charge up when it comes to prayer. Pray prayers that will change situation, turn our life around, and even turn our society, our country around. So God will help us. Be blessed, even as you go through this review. In Jesus' name. Welcome. Good evening, everyone. I want to welcome you to today's review. Today we'll be reviewing the concluding chapters of the book, How to Pray Effectively by Christ Oyakilome. Last week we reviewed chapter 1 to 5. Today we will start from chapter 6. And the chapter there, chapter 6, the topic there is the prayer of agreement. And the writer started by emphasizing the fact that the prayer of agreement is another means that God has given to us to bring great change into the earth. And the scriptural reference is Matthew 18, 19. Where Jesus said, If two of you shall agree on it, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. The requirement for the prayer of agreement is one. The participant must be on it. Two, there must be at least two of them. Three, they must agree. Four, they must ask or make the definite request. The prayer of agreement is also noted by the author that is a decree. That the prayer of agreement has no limit. That even if when one party dabs or one or two party has dabbed in their mind or in their spirit, that it doesn't affect the prayer, it doesn't limit the effectiveness of the prayer. In fact, the emphasis there in that scripture that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, anything that they shall ask shall be done for them. So as many, uh, whatever it is that the parties are agreeing on, there is no limit to it and it shall be done for them. So we move on to chapter 7, the prayer of intercession. The writer noted there that the Holy Spirit has an intercessory ministry that he carries out through us, through the believer. But he also noted also that the believer has his own personal intercessory ministry. He noted some of the rules for intercessory prayers. He said one of them is that you don't intercede for yourself. 
intercessory prayer is not for yourself but it's a prayer that is made for others prayer that is done for others then number two he said you continue to pray about the same thing over and over again until the changes come that is unlike the prayer of faith that we looked at where when you continue praying over that same thing it's like you are undoing the prayer but in the case of the prayer of intercession said that person you can continue to pray over you are interceding the focus is to bring change is the, the the focus there is to pray god's power upon the individual in such a way that the individual conforms to the will of god the power of god comes upon the individual to bring change in that individual's life so you must be persistent in praying you must be persistent in that place of prayer until you see the change the prayer doesn't the, the intercessor doesn't stop then he also noted that intercession is a divine responsibility of every child of god every child of god is an is an intercessor it is our divine ministry so it is not something that we can rule out it is not something that we can be excused from and he noted that when it comes to the prayer of intercession he mentioned he talked about some important points to note about prayer he said prayer is a privilege it is a great way of maintaining a relationship with the lord prayer is also a command and a divine responsibility given to us by god and we saw that from the text 1 Timothy 2.1, where Paul was writing to Timothy, to Timothy, sorry, I exhort therefore that first of all, all supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So we saw that Paul was writing to Timothy and he was exhorting Timothy to stand in a place of intercession and praying for men. So third, he said prayer is a discipline. We must discipline ourselves when it comes to the prayer of intercession. It is not a prayer when, that we pray when we feel like, or we, you know, we can say, okay, I don't want to pray because I'm not in the, in the mood to pray. It's a prayer that requires discipline. So he noted that, that we must discipline ourselves we must know that it's our life work. There is nothing that, excuse, that excuses us from this, uh, this responsibility. It's a responsibility that we have as children of God. And God requires that we fulfill this responsibility. He also talked about laboring in prayer. That has to do with fervent prayer, agonizing in prayer, he likened it to a struggle, to a fight. He said, actually, you are not actually fighting, probably with a demon or fighting, but rather you are fighting against the details of your flesh. Where the flesh is saying, I want to sleep, I want to relax, I'm not in the mood to pray. But you are fighting, you are struggling against these details, these uh, 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 details of the flesh. You are saying, even though it's not enjoyable, you discipline yourself to pray. 
Then he also talked about, noted, don't be callous. So this has to do with uh, the nonchalant attitude of some believers that feels that they are just concerned about themselves. They don't, uh, they don't want to bear the burden of uh, the believer who has not been able to grow, you know, in his knowledge of God. They don't want to bear the burden of praying for that believer and they feel that, that maybe uh, is it not because he's relaxed or because he's, uh, he doesn't want to commit that is why his life is like that they don't even want to you know to bear the burden of the sinner a man who has not known god or somebody the uh, 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 somebody that is sick an unbeliever that is sick or an unbeliever that is passing through one challenge that requires our prayers so he talked about having this compassionate heart, just like Jesus in his ministry on earth, having compassion for the people. And as a result of this, he ministered to the lives of these people. He noted that as believers, this is our responsibility. We are to pray, we are to intercede and pray for for believers, for, for believers who are not strong in the faith and for unbelievers who have not known God. He also noted that we should develop the intercessor in us. We have to train ourselves to be able to, to major up to this responsibility that God has given to us. We have to train ourselves and how do we do that? We have to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time in prayer. We train ourselves. He talked about himself. He gave an instance about himself that in his early days in the in Christianity, he had to set up his alarm, the alarm of his clock, so that he can wake up at a particular time in the night to pray for certain people and events and situations. And that because he was doing this consistently, it became a part of him. And it, it was not, it doesn't, uh, uh, it, it, it gets to, a point where he actually doesn't need the clock anymore, the alarm anymore. So he just he, he encouraged us that we should we should develop intercessor in us. We talk to chapter eight, praying for the saint. Who are the saints? The saints are the believers. So he noted here that we are to pray for the saint. There are many in the church, many that are lost in the church, who doesn't who don't know their right from their left. It's our responsibility, the responsibility of those who have grown, who have matured in the faith, to pray for them, to intercede for them. And he gave uh, the scriptural reference from uh, Ephesians 1, 15 to 19. And he talked of areas where we should pray for these people. He talked about wisdom and revelation, that we should also pray for ourselves in this line. We should pray, we should intercede for the believers, the born again believers, who are lost in the church, who do not have divine insight about God. People who are born again, but they, they, they are not walking in the light of God's word. That is our responsibility to intercede on their behalf. It's our responsibility to pray for them. So God expects us to stand in the gap to pray for them. He also talked about the knowledge of God's will. Look at Colossians 1, 9 talked about praying the knowledge of God's will 
Say for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There you see him emphasizing wisdom and spiritual understanding. It is something that the believer needs. It is something that the believer cannot do without. So it is expected that we intercede in prayers for believers to grow in their knowledge of God, to grow in their knowledge of God and and spiritual things. So he also talked about the spirit of mind. Now he noted here that when he says the spirit of mind, is not referring to the muscle, to the physical strength. No. He said it it refers to the miraculous working ability of God through the spirit. The spirit of mind not only gives us boldness, but also brings you that overpowering force of extraordinary power that overcomes and surpasses strength itself. So that is just a, a short, you know, explanation of what the spirit of mind he was talking about. And that he said, this is something that the believer needs, that we need to pray for the spirit of mind in the life of every believer. And we should also pray for that even for ourselves. Then he talked about Christ in our hearts. We talk about having Christ in our heart. Now, he said, he read the scriptural reference there is Ephesians 3, 14 to 17. The Spirit of God at several times inspired Paul to the church and instructing them in prayer. He said, the, the, that is Ephesians 3, 4, 14 to 17 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. So he emphasized there that Christ dwelling in the heart of the believer he noted that he noted another scripture colossians 1 21 27 where paul was saying that christ in you is the hope of glory so christ in the believer christ in us is our only hope of glory that reason we need to pray for believers for christ to be in them then he also talked about the love of christ the love of Christ. Now, he talked about here, the, that's the scriptural reference here is also Ephesians 13, Ephesians 3, sorry, 17 to 19. That ye be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all sense what is the breadth, the length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes, which passes knowledge, that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that prayer that Paul prayed here, prayed, it was a prayer that the believer will have a revelation of the love of God in his daily walk. 
that the believer will be able to comprehend, will be able to know the length, the breadth, the height and depth of the love of our Lord Jesus Christ who suffered, who died for us. We see that today, you see, majority of, of, of us believers, sometimes we miss it. We, time, we tend to pick offense where it's not even needed. You know, that is because sometimes we are overwhelmed with uh, probably the situation and circumstances at that particular time. And then we react forgetting, you know, our mission, forgetting our purpose. That is what Paul that's what the writer here was emphasizing. You see some people like the writer emphasizes, some people can say, I cannot please you and displease myself. It's a popular saying amongst unbelievers and believers. And he noted here, people who talk this way are people who lack understanding, who do not have insight of what the plan of God is. They are yet to have an understanding of the love of God. So it is our responsibility to pray for the people of God who do not have this insight into the love of Christ. He talked about utterance and boldness. Here he said we need to pray for the saints. We need to pray for them to be bold in preaching the word, to be bold in declaring the gospel. Then he talked about that love may abound that love may abound so he talked about he prayed that love may abound yet more and more in knowledge so this is a vital prayer that we need to pray for the believer and also pray for ourselves so we must learn to intercede for others we must learn to intercede for the saint as regards to this particular aspect so he talked about praying for material need praying for material need chapter 9 this is a this particular chapter is a chapter that is very uh, that has a great exposition you know a great revelation for me personally he talked about, we looked at that the scriptural reference there is 1st Corinthians 3:21 to 23 so there are some prayers he noted there say people praying father give me a house lord please give me a car you know please give me uh, uh, what i need for today to survive for today we looked at he looked at that scripture 1st Corinthians 3:21 to 23. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul, Apollos, Cephas, or the world, all life, all death, all things present, all things to come, all are yours. And they are Christ. And Christ is God. This is an amazing scripture. So he emphasized there that we do not need to beg for what we need. That scripture said it all, that everything are has, 
they all belong to us. You can imagine somebody begging for what is already is. It's appalling. So the writer really expanded on this particular this particular chapter. He talked about my God shall supply all your needs. My God shall supply all your needs. He noted here that this is a fact. It's a fact, it's not a promise. That when a need is, we, we have a need, that we should know that our desire, our need is our expressions of God's desire for us. So he emphasized that. In fact, the opening, the, what he said in the opening uh, paragraph of that particular scripture, he said, What we should note is that God is more willing to meet our need than we are willing to receive them. And as I meditate on that, I said, This is very true. Because when we look at what Jesus said, what Jesus said about God already knows what we need even before we pray and begin to ask him for these needs. So it is very clear. And we look at our earthly father, when we begin to compare our earthly fathers, we see that even before our children, our children do not bother about what they will eat. They are not worried about it, their needs, because they have this confidence that in one way or the other, my parents will take care of it. So this is the kind of confidence that we are supposed to have as children of God. So he noted there and emphasized there in that scripture that that particular chapter that we are not supposed to be begging for what is ours already. God, our needs, by the time we, we, are, we are conscious of a need, it's already lined up for God's supply. You know, it's already lined up for, into God's supply system. So it is coming. We have received, it has been released already. All we need is to receive it. Then he talked about voice the supply, not the need. When we have situation where having prayed, we'll still be saying, ah, I don't pray, I, I trust God, Sha. It is hard though, but I trust God. So we are still focused on our needs. But he told us in that particular, that particular chapter that we should be more conscious of the supply, not the need. And that it is not that we are just saying it, but we believe it. It is something we know. It is something we believe. So by the time we start focusing on our need, we start emphasizing the need, you know, we begin to to lose sight of God's provision. But all that we need for life, God has already made available unto us. He said, it is no longer give us this day our daily bread. He talked about the prayer Jesus taught the disciples before his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He said, it is no longer, that prayer is no longer the prayer we should be praying. Because in the sacrifice that Jesus paid, everything is covered. Our daily bread is a short thing. It's not something we are supposed to be asking for. 
fasting and praying to to receive it's something that is a short thing that's already released unto us then he said you shall lay up gold as dust you shall lay up gold as dust and he said this as this when you say lay up gold as dust it means your supply never ends our supply never ends liking it to when you wipe a surface you wipe dust off a surface within seconds you see the dust settling again back on that surface you see that is how it is for us as believers we will never run short of finances or whatever we need then he talked about don't stay in the finishing process that is we should make up our mind not to focus on our lack should make up our make up our mind not to be lack conscious but to be supply conscious and he said we must bring ourselves to that position where we know by the time by the time we keep focusing on our lack we see ourselves you know going down to zero because we are focusing on the lack and we are not declaring the supply declaring the word the supply that God has you know has given to us then we talked on chapter 10 we are going to move into chapter 10 the prophetic prayer the defined prophetic prayer refer to it as the prayer in which you speak the will and purpose of God you speak it into being by the divine inspiration of the holy spirit prophetic prayer refers to the prayer in which you speak the will and purpose of God into being by divine inspiration of the holy ghost So the scriptural request reference there sorry is Jonah 2 1 to 4. Stocking about Jonah's prayer while he was in the belly of of the of the fish is prophetic prayer that he was praying in the belly of the fish. He moved forward to refuse to observe lying vanities. Lying vanities you know sometimes when you are passing through some challenges some thoughts will just be coming some negative thoughts will just be coming could be because of the situation and circumstances or challenging time or trying time you are passing through or pleasant situation or pleasant circumstances you see that naturally the flesh will begin to you know some negative thought will begin to come but we still we saw that in the case of Jonah why he was even in the belly of the of the of the fish he refused to have, to to accept the negative situation he found himself he refused to to accept the gloomy circumstances and lying vanities he was seeing right there he was praising god He didn't allow that situation to weigh him down. 
He didn't give up. He was praising God right there. You know, right there, he was seeing the positive, not the negative. Turn your trials into triumphant praise. Jonah's situation, praising God in the belly of the fish. Praising God, and as he was praising God, God caused that same fish, which God instructed to swallow him up, that same fish, God also instructed that fish to, you know, to vomit him out in the shore, in the dry ground. So the same thing, when we, when we, when we find ourselves in difficult situation, in trying situation, we should turn that situation into a triumphant praise, into a, into a, a, a place of worship, of praising God, and then we we'll see God pulling us out of that situation. Prayer of worship, praise, and thanks given. That's chapter 11. Prayer of worship, praise, and thanks given. Yeah, the scriptural reference here is Revelation 1, 6. Revelation 1, chapter 6. Also look at Psalm chapter 69, verse 30 to 31, where David wrote by revelation that worshiping, praising, and giving God thanks pleases God more than the sacrifices of bulls and goats. So, David, by revelation, was comparing the Old Testament uh, ways of, uh, uh, of offering sacrifice to praise, worship, and thanksgiving. And he said, this pleases God more than the sacrifice of bulls and goats. Then he talked about that, that under that, that particular verse in chapter, he looked at lifting holy hands brings victory lifting holy hands brings victory the writer there talked about lifting hands in worship lifting our hands up in worship in worship to god brings us victory he noted that when we are passing through difficult times where we have prayed, we have confessed, we have, we have done all we needed to do, and there's no change, that we should pray lifting up our hands. And this is a sign of victory in the spirit. And we'll see that we will prevail, and that situation will turn around and we will be victorious. Then he looked at, on that, that same chapter, talked about worship in the New Testament and Jesus noted there in John 4 23 Jesus noted the characteristics of true worshipers and that true worshipers must worship the Father in truth and in spirit and he said when he says worshiping the Father in truth and in spirit it means that for one to worship God, that person has to be born again and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the only way through which 
one could worship God. Then he talked about the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Root sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And even in a situation where things are terrible, a terrible situation or circumstances, we must praise God and worship Him and give Him thanks. And when we are praising God, is there something He said there? That it must come with reasons. It's not just to verbally just be saying it, saying, God, I thank you, God, I praise you. The substance there is what God has done. What are the reasons? As we are praising God, we are telling God, I'm praising you for this, I'm praying, praising you for this, I'm praising you for that. Then he talks about that even in that situation, when we are in a, in a situation where we are facing challenge, where there are trials and, situa- and, uh, uh, and circumstances that are, that are challenging, we should praise God. We should, give, we should worship Him. We should give Him praise and we will see Him, you know, His power coming down mightily and turning that situation around for our good. We will see his, his, his power coming down mightily. And we will see the situation turning down, turning around positively for our good. He gave some instance in the scripture, the, the, the instance where Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat was faced with three nations coming together to to engage him in a battle and he cried to God and under divine instruction through praise putting singers in front as they were going for the battle God gave them victory he also cited uh, from the scripture where Paul and Silas were also arrested and they were praying they were singing praises to God and then we see the power of God coming down mightily with earthquake and the prison doors became open. Their bands were broken and God made a way for them. So these were some, some scriptural reference he made. He finally, we looked at, looked at the sun and you won't see the shadows. Look at the sun and, and you won't see the shadows. This simply means focusing on Jesus rather than your situation. Worshipping Jesus, worshipping the Lord, rather than focusing on whatever challenges you are passing through. When you focus on the Lord in prayer, in praise and worship, you will see Him doing exploits in your life. So this is, this brings us to the close or rather the end of this review of the book how to pray effectively. What we have done so far is just uh, a summary of the book. I would advise that you take your time to read it for yourself and then you'll be able to get the full details and I promise you'll be blessed. The information in the book will greatly enrich your life. 
and I pray that all we have learned from this book will walk in the light of the truth we have learned and we will see things changing in our lives we'll see the power of God manifesting in our lives individually our families and even in our place of work even in the society at large when I was going through this book something just registered in my spirit you see you see people in this our generation famous uh, you have this superstar maybe they are coming to a particular uh, town or city you see people paying so much just to look at them and they will not even get anything out of that meeting but you see them so eager even believers you see them so anxious to meet with these so-called superstars but we see that god has given us a key god has given us prayer to bring change to not only our life the lives of our family members to even our nation, to even our nation, we see so many things going wrong in our nations. That prayer, the prayers of the believers can turn those situations around. And yet, we are not making effective use of this weapon that God has given to us. But this book has, has been an eye opener for us. This book is an inspiration for us to go back you know and charge up when it comes to prayer pray prayers that will change situation turn our life around and even turn our society our country around so god will help us be blessed even as you go through this review in jesus name Welcome, good evening everyone. I want to welcome you to today's review. Today we'll be reviewing the concluding chapters of the book, How to Pray Effectively by Christ, Oyakilome. Last week we reviewed chapter one to five. Today we will start from chapter six. And the chapter there, chapter 6, the topic there is the prayer of agreement. And the writer started by emphasizing the fact that the prayer of agreement is another means that God has given to us to bring great change into the earth. And the scriptural reference is Matthew 18, 19. Where Jesus said, if two of you shall agree on it, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. The requirement for the prayer of agreement is one. The participant must be on it. Two, there must be at least two of them. Three, they must agree. Four, they must ask or make the definite request. The prayer of agreement is also noted by the author that is a decree. That the prayer of agreement has no limit. That even if when one party doubts, 
or one or two party has doubt in their mind or in their spirit that it doesn't affect the prayer it doesn't limit the effectiveness of the prayer in fact the emphasis there in that scripture that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything anything that they shall ask shall be done for them so as many uh whatever it is that the parties are agreeing on there's no limit to it and it shall be done for them so we move on to chapter 7 the prayer of intercession the writer noted there that the holy spirit has an intercessory ministry that he carries out through us through the believer and but he also noted also that the believer has his own personal intercessory ministry he noted some of the rules for intercessory prayers so one of them is that you don't intercede for yourself intercessory prayer is not for yourself but it's a prayer that is made for others a prayer that is done for others then number two he said you continue to pray about the same thing over and over again until the changes come that is unlike the prayer of faith that we looked at where when you continue praying over that same thing it's like you are undoing the prayer but in the case of the prayer of intercession said that person you can continue to pray over you are interceding the focus is to bring change is the, the the focus there is to pray god's power upon the individual in such a way that the individual conforms to the will of god the power of god comes upon the individual to bring change in that individual's life so you must be persistent in praying you must be persistent in that place of prayer until you see the change the prayer doesn't the, the intercessor doesn't stop then he also noted that intercession is a divine responsibility of every child of god every child of god is an is an intercessor it is our divine ministry so it is not something that we can rule out it is not something that we can be excused from and he noted that when it comes to the prayer of intercession he mentioned he talked about some important points to note about prayer he said prayer is a privilege it is a great way of maintaining a relationship with the lord prayer is also a command and a divine responsibility given to us by god and we saw that from the text 1 Timothy 2.1, where Paul was writing to Timothy, to Timothy, sorry, I exalt therefore that first of all, all supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So we saw that Paul was writing to Timothy and he was exalting Timothy to stand in a place of intercession and praying for men. So third, he said prayer is a discipline. We must discipline ourselves when it comes to the prayer of intercession. It is not a prayer when, that we pray when we feel like or 
we you know we can say okay i don't want to pray because i'm not in the is in the mood to pray it's a prayer that requires discipline so he noted that, that we must discipline ourselves we must know that it's our life work there is nothing that excuses that excuses us from this uh, this responsibility it's a responsibility that we have as children of god and god requires that we fulfill this responsibility he also talked about laboring in prayer that has to do with fervent prayer agonizing in prayer he likened it to a struggle to a fight said actually you are not actually fighting probably with a demon or fighting but rather you are fighting against the details of your flesh where the flesh is saying i want to sleep i want to relax i'm not in the mood to pray but you are fighting you are struggling against these details these uh, 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 details of the flesh you are saying even though it's not enjoyable you discipline yourself to pray then he also talked about noted don't be callous so this has to do with uh, the nonchalant attitude of some believers that feels that they are just concerned about themselves. They don't. Uh, they don't want to bear the burden of uh, the believer who has not been able to grow, you know, in his knowledge of God. They don't want to bear the burden of praying for that believer, and they feel that, that maybe uh, is it not because he's relaxed or because he's, uh, he doesn't want to commit. That is why his life is like that. They don't even want to. You know to bear the burden of the sinner a man who has not known god or somebody the uh, 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 somebody that is sick an unbeliever that is sick or an unbeliever that is passing through one challenge that requires our prayers so he talked about having this compassionate heart just like jesus in his ministry on earth having compassion for the people and as a result of this, he ministered to the lives of these people. He noted that as believers, this is our responsibility. We are to pray. We are to intercede and pray for, for believers. For, for believers who are not strong in the faith and for unbelievers who have not known God. He also noted that we should develop the intercessor in us. We have to train ourselves to be able to to major up to this responsibility that God has given to us. We have to train ourselves. And how do we do that? We have to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time in prayer. We train ourselves. He talked about himself. He gave an instance about himself that in his early days in in Christianity, he had to set up his alarm, the alarm of his clock so that he can wake up at a particular time in the night to pray for certain people and events and situations. And that because he was doing this consistently, it became a part of him. And it was not, it doesn't, uh, uh, it, it get to a point where he actually doesn't need the clock anymore, the alarm anymore. So he just, he, he encouraged us that we should, we should develop intercessor in us. We'll talk to chapter 8. Praying for the saint. Who are the saints? The saints are the believers. So he noted here that 
we are to pray for the same. There are many in the church, many that are lost in the church, who doesn't, who don't know their right from their left. It's our responsibility, the responsibility of those who have grown, who have matured in the faith, to pray for them, to intercede for them. And he gave uh, the scriptural reference from uh, Ephesians 1, 15 to 19. And he talked of areas where we should pray for these people. He talked about wisdom and revelation, that we should also pray for ourselves in this line. We should pray, we should intercede for the believers, the born-again believers who are lost in the church, who do not have divine insight about God. People who are born again, but they, they, they are not walking in the light of God's word. That is our responsibility to intercede on their behalf. It's our responsibility to pray for them. So God expects us to stand in the gap to pray for them. He also talked about the knowledge of God's will. Look at Colossians 1, 9. Talked about praying on the knowledge of God's will. Say, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There you see Him emphasizing wisdom and spiritual understanding. It is something that the believer needs, it is something that the believer cannot do without. So it is expected that we intercede in prayers for believers to grow in their knowledge of God, to grow in their knowledge of God and uh, and spiritual things. So he also talked about the spirit of mind. Now he noted here that when he says the spirit of mind, he's not referring to the muscle, to the physical strength. No. He said it, refer, it refers to the miraculous working ability of God through the Spirit. The Spirit of mind not only gives us boldness, but also brings you that overpowering force of extraordinary power that overcomes and surpasses strength itself. So that is just a, a short, you know, explanation of what the spirit of mind he was talking about and that he said this is something that the believer needs that we need to pray for the spirit of mind in the life of every believer and we should also pray for that even for ourselves then he talked about christ in our heart we talk about having christ in our heart now he said he read the scriptural reference there is Ephesians 3 14 to 17. The Spirit of God at several times inspired Paul to the church and instructing them in prayer. He said the, the, that Ephesians 3 4, 14 to 17 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and heard his name that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that christ may dwell in your heart by faith so he emphasized there that christ dwelling in the heart of the believer he noted that he noted another scripture colossians 1 21 27 where paul was saying that christ in you 
is the hope of glory. So Christ in the believer, Christ in us is our only hope of glory. That reason we need to pray for believers for Christ to be in them. Then he also talked about the love of Christ. The love of Christ. Now, he talked about here, the, that the scriptural reference here is also Ephesians 13, Ephesians 3, sorry, 17 to 19. That he be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all sense what is the breadth the length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes, which passes knowledge, that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that prayer that Paul prayed here, prayed, it was a prayer that the believer will have a revelation of the love of God in his daily walk. That the believer will be able to comprehend, will be able to know the length, the breadth, the height and depth of the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered, who died for us. We see that today, you see, majority of, of, of us believers, sometimes we miss it. We, time, we tend to pick offense where it's not even needed. You know, that is because sometimes we are overwhelmed with uh, probably the situation or circumstances at that particular time and then we react forgetting you know our mission forgetting our purpose that is what paul that's what the writer here was emphasizing you see some people like the writer emphasizes some people can say i cannot please you and displease myself it's a popular saying amongst unbelievers and believers and he noted here people who talk this way are people who lack understanding who do not have insight of what the plan of god is they are yet to have an understanding of the love of god so it is our responsibility to pray for the people of god who do not have this insight into the love of christ he talked about utterance and boldness Yes, yeah, said we need to pray for the saints. We need to pray for them to be bold in preaching the word, to be bold in declaring the gospel. Then he talked about that love may abound. That love may abound. So he talked about, he prayed that love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. So this is a vital prayer that we need to pray for the believer and also pray for ourselves. So we must learn to intercede for others. We must learn to intercede for the saint as regards to this particular aspect. So he talked about praying for material need. Praying for material need, chapter 9. This is a this particular chapter is a chapter that is very uh, that has a great exposition, you know, a great revelation. For me personally, he talked about we looked at that the scriptural reference there is 1 Corinthians 3 21 to 23. 
so there are some prayers he noted there say people praying father give me a house lord please give me a car you know please give me uh, uh, what i need for today to survive for today we looked at we looked at that scripture first corinthians 3 21 to 23 therefore let no man glory in men for all things are yours whether Paul, Apollos, Cephas, or the world, all life, all death, all things present, all things to come, all are yours. And they are Christ. And Christ is God. This was an amazing scripture. So he emphasized there. That we do not need to beg for what we need. That scripture said it all. That everything are has. They all belong to us. You can imagine somebody begging for what is already is. It's appalling. So the writer really expansiated on this particular this particular chapter it talked about my god shall supply all your needs my god shall supply all your needs he noted here that this is a fact is a fact it's not a promise that when a need is we we have a need that we should know that our desire, our need, is our expressions of God's desire for us. So he emphasized that. In fact, the opening, the, what he said in the opening um, paragraph of that particular scripture, he said what we should note is that God is more willing to meet our need that we are willing to receive them. And as I meditate on that, I said, this is very true. Because when we look at what Jesus said, what Jesus said about God already knows what we need even before we pray and begin to ask him for these needs. So it is very clear. And we look at our earthly father, when we begin to compare our earthly fathers, we see that even before our children, our children do not bother about what they will eat. They are not worried about it, their needs, because they have this confidence that uh, one way or the other, my parents will take care of it. So this is the kind of confidence that we are supposed to have as children of God. So he noted there and emphasized there in that scripture that, that particular chapter that we are not supposed to be begging for what is us already. God, our needs by the time we, we, are, we are conscious of a need, it's already lined up for God's supply. You know, it's already lined up for, into God's supply system. So it is coming. We have received, it has been released already. All we need is to receive it. Then he talked about voice the supply, not the need. Where we have situation where having prayed, we'll still be saying, ah, I don't pray. I, I trust God, Sha. It is hard though, but I trust God. So we are still focused on our needs. But he told us in that particular, that particular chapter that 
we should be more conscious of the supply not the need and that it is not that we are just saying it but we believe it it is something we know it is something we believe so by the time we start focusing on our need we start emphasizing the need you know we begin to to lose sight of god's provision but all that we need for life god has already made available unto us he said it is no longer give us this day our daily bread he talked about the prayer jesus taught the disciples before his death burial resurrection and ascension he said it is no longer that prayer is no longer the prayer we should be praying because in the sacrifice that jesus paid everything is covered our daily bread is a short thing it's not something we are supposed to be asking for fasting and praying to to receive it's something that is a short thing that's already released unto us then he said you shall lay up gold as dust you shall lay up gold as dust and he said this as this when you say lay up gold as dust it means your supply never ends our supply never ends likened it to when you wipe a surface you wipe dust off a surface within seconds you see the dust settling again back on that surface you see that is how it is for us as believers we will never run short of finances of whatever we need then he talked about don't stay in the finishing process that is we should make up our mind not to focus on our lack should make up our make up our mind not to be lack conscious but to be supply conscious and he said we must bring ourselves to that position where we know by the time by the time we keep focusing on our lack we see ourselves you know going down to zero because we are focusing on the lack and we are not declaring the supply declaring the word the supply that God has you know has given to us then we talked on chapter 10 we are going to move into chapter 10 the prophetic prayer he defined prophetic prayer referred to it as a prayer in which you speak the will and purpose of God you speak it into being by the divine inspiration of the holy spirit prophetic prayer refers to the prayer in which you speak the will and purpose of God into being by divine inspiration of the holy ghost so the scriptural request reference there sorry is Jonah 2:1 to 4 it's talking about Jonah's prayer while he was in the belly of of the of the fish his prophetic prayer that he was praying in the belly of the fish he moved forward to refuse to observe lying vanities 
lying vanities. You know, sometimes when you are passing through some challenges, some thoughts will just be coming. Some negative thoughts will just be coming. Could be because of the situation and circumstances or challenging time or trying time you are passing through or pleasant situation or pleasant circumstances. You see that naturally the flesh will begin to, you know, some negative thought will begin to come. But we still we saw that in the case of Jonah, why he was even in the belly of the of the of the fish, he refused to have to, to accept the negative situation he found himself. He refused to to accept the gloomy circumstances and lying vanities he was seeing. Right there, he was praising God. He didn't allow that situation to weigh him down. He didn't give up. He was praising God right there. You know, right there, he was seeing the positive, not the negative. Turn your trials into triumphant praise. Jonah's situation, praising God in the belly of the fish. Praising God, and as he was praising God, God caused that same fish, which God instructed to swallow him up, that same fish, God also instructed that fish to, you know, to vomit him out in the shore, in the dry ground. So the same thing, when we, when we, when we find ourselves in difficult situation, in trying situation, we should turn that situation into a triumphant praise, into a, into a, a, a place of worship, of praising God, and then we see God pulling us out of that situation. Prayer of worship, praise, and thanks given. That's chapter 11. Prayer of worship, praise, and thanksgiving. Yeah, the scriptural reference here is Revelation 1, 6. Revelation 1, chapter 6. Also look at Psalm chapter 69, verse 30 to 31, where David wrote by revelation that worshiping, praising, and giving God thanks pleases God more than the sacrifices of bulls and goats. So, David, by revelation, was comparing the Old Testament and ways of, uh, uh, of offering sacrifice to praise, worship, and thanksgiving. And he said, this pleases God more than the sacrifice of bulls and goats. Then he talked about that, that under that, that particular verse in chapter, he looked at lifting holy hands brings victory. Lifting holy hands brings victory. The writer there talked about lifting hands in worship, lifting our hands up in worship, in worship to God brings us victory. He noted that when we are passing through difficult times where we have prayed, we have confessed, we have, we have done all we needed to do and there's no change. 
that we should pray lifting up our hands. And this is a sign of victory in the spirit. And we'll see that we will prevail and that situation will turn around and we will be victorious. Then he looked at on that that same chapter he talked about worship in the New Testament. And Jesus noted there in John 4:23, Jesus noted the characteristics of true worshipers. And that true worshipers must worship the Father in truth and in spirit. And he said when he says worshiping the Father in truth and in spirit, it means that for one to worship God, that person has to be born again and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the only way through which one could worship God. Then he talked about the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Wrote sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Even in a situation where things are terrible, a terrible situation or circumstances, we must praise God and worship Him and give Him thanks. And when we are praising God, is there something He said there? That it must come with reasons. It's not just to verbally just be saying it, saying, God, I thank you, God, I praise you. The substance there is what God has done. What are the reasons? As we are praising God, we are telling God, I'm praising you for this, I'm praying, praising you for this, I'm praising you for that. Then he talks about that even in that situation, when we are in a, in a situation where we are facing challenge, where there are trials and, situa- and, uh, uh, and circumstances that are, that are challenging, we should praise God. We should, give, we should worship Him. We should give Him praise and we will see Him, you know, His power coming down mightily and turning that situation around for our good. We'll see his, his, his power coming down mightily. And we'll see the situation turning down, turning around positively for our good. He gave some instance in the scripture, the, the, the instance where Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat was faced with three nations coming together to to engage him in a battle and he cried to God and under divine instruction through praise putting singers in front as they were going for the battle God gave them victory he also cited uh, from the scripture where Paul and Silas were also arrested and they were praying they were singing praises to God and then we see the power of God coming down mightily with earthquake and the prison doors became open. Their bands were broken and God made a way for them. So these were some, some scriptural reference he made. He finally, we looked at looked at the sun and you won't see the shadows. 
look at the sun and, we'll, and you won't see the shadows. It simply means focusing on Jesus rather than your situation. Worshipping Jesus, worshipping the Lord, rather than focusing on whatever challenges you are passing through. When you focus on the Lord in prayer, in praise and worship, you will see him doing exploits in your life. So this is this brings us to the close or rather the end of this review of the book how to pray effectively what we have done so far is just uh, a summary of the book i would advise that you take your time to read it for yourself and then you will be able to get the full details and i promise you'll be blessed the information in the book will greatly enrich your life and I pray that all we have learned from this book will walk in the light of the truth we have learned. And we will see things changing in our lives. We will see the power of God manifesting in our lives individually, our families, and even in our place of work, even in the society at large. When I was going through this book, something just registered in my spirit. You see, you see people in this our generation famous uh, you have this superstar maybe they are coming to a particular uh, town or city you see people paying so much just to look at them and they will not even get anything out of that meeting but you see them so eager even believers you see them so anxious to meet with these so-called superstars but we see that god has given us a key God has given us prayer to bring change to not only our life, the lives of our family members, to even our nation. To even our nation. We see so many things going wrong in our nations. That prayer, the prayers of the believers can turn those situations around. And yet, we are not making effective use of this weapon that God has given to us. But this book has, has been an eye-opener for us. This book is an inspiration for us to go back, you know, and charge up when it comes to prayer. Pray prayers that will change situation, turn our life around, and even turn our society, our country around. So God will help us be blessed even as you go through this review in Jesus name welcome good evening everyone I want to welcome you to today's review today we'll be reviewing the concluding chapters of the book how to pray effectively by Christ Oyakilome. Last week we reviewed chapter 1 to 5. Today we will start from chapter 6. And the chapter there, chapter 6, the topic there is the prayer of agreement. And the writer started by emphasizing the fact that the prayer of agreement is another means 
that God has given to us to bring great change into the earth. And the scriptural reference is Matthew 18, 19, where Jesus said, If two of you shall agree on it, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. The requirement for the prayer of agreement is one. The participant must be on it. Two, there must be at least two of them. Three, they must agree. Four, they must ask or make the definite request. The prayer of agreement is also noted by the author that is a decree. That the prayer of agreement has no limit. That even if when one party dabs or one or two party has dabbed in their mind or in their spirit, that it doesn't affect the prayer, it doesn't limit the effectiveness of the prayer. In fact, the emphasis there in that scripture that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, anything that they shall ask shall be done for them. So as many, uh, whatever it is that the parties are agreeing on, there's no limit to it and it shall be done for them so we move on to chapter 7 the prayer of intercession the writer noted there that the holy spirit has an intercessory ministry that he carries out through us through the believer and but he also noted also that the believer has his own personal intercessory ministry he noted some of the rules for intercessory prayers. So one of them is that you don't intercede for yourself. Intercessory prayer is not for yourself, but it's a prayer that is made for others, a prayer that is done for others. Then number two, he said you continue to pray about the same thing over and over again until the changes come. That is unlike the prayer of faith that we looked at, where when you continue praying over that same thing, it's like you are undoing the prayer. But in the case of the prayer of intercession, it says that person, you can continue to pray over, you are interceding. The focus is to bring change. It's the, the, the focus there is to pray God's power upon the individual in such a way that the individual conforms to the will of God. The power of God comes upon the individual to bring change in that individual's life. So you must be persistent in praying. You must be persistent in that place of prayer. Until you see the change, the prayer doesn't, the the intercessor doesn't stop. Then he also noted that intercession it's a divine responsibility of every child of God. Every child of God is an, is an intercessor. It is our divine ministry. So it is not something that we can rule out. It is not something that we can be excused from. And he noted that when it comes to the prayer of intercession, he mentioned 
he talked about some important points to note about prayer. He said prayer is a privilege. It is a great way of maintaining a relationship with the Lord. Prayer is also a command and a divine responsibility given to us by God. And we saw that from the text, 1 Timothy 2.1, where Paul was writing to Timothy, to Timothy, sorry. I exalt therefore that, first of all, all supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So we saw that Paul was writing to Timothy and he was exalting Timothy to stand in a place of intercession and praying for men. So Todd, he said prayer is a discipline. We must discipline ourselves when it comes to the prayer of intercession. It is not a prayer when, that we pray when we feel like, or we, you know, we can say, okay, I don't want to pray because I'm not in the, in the mood to pray. It's a prayer that requires discipline. So he noted that, that we must discipline ourselves. We must know that it's our life work. There is nothing that, excuse, that excuses us from this, uh, this responsibility. It's a responsibility that we have as children of God. And God requires that we fulfill this re- responsibility. He also talked about laboring in prayer. That has to do with fervent prayer agonizing in prayer, he likened it to a struggle, to a fight, he said actually you are not actually fighting probably with a demon or fighting but rather you are fighting against the details of your flesh, where the flesh is saying I want to sleep, I want to relax, I'm not in the mood to pray, but you are fighting, you are struggling against these details, these uh, 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 details of the flesh, you are saying even though it's not enjoyable, you disciplined yourself to pray. Then he also talked about, noted, don't be callous. So this has to do with uh, the nonchalant attitude of some believers that feels that they are just concerned about themselves. They don't, uh, they don't want to bear the burden of uh, the believer who has not been able to grow you know, and his knowledge of God. He don't want to bear the burden of praying for that believer. And they feel that, that maybe, uh, is it not because he's relaxed or because he's, uh, he doesn't want to commit? That is why his life is like that. They don't even want to, you know, to bear the burden of the sinner. A man who has not known God or somebody, the, uh, 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 somebody that is sick, an unbeliever that is sick, us, an unbeliever that is passing through one challenge that requires our prayers. So he talked about having this compassionate heart, just like Jesus in his ministry on earth, having compassion for the people. And as a result of this, he ministered to the lives of these people. He noted that as believers, this is our responsibility. We are to pray. We are to intercede and pray for, for believers, for, for believers who are not strong in the faith and for unbelievers who have not known God. He also noted that we should develop the intercessor in us. We have to train ourselves to be able to, to major up to this responsibility that God has given to us. 
we have to train ourselves and how do we do that we have to spend time in prayer we have to spend time in prayer we train ourselves he talked about himself he gave an instance about himself that in his early days in the in christianity he had to set up his alarm the alarm of his clock so that he can wake up at a particular time in the night to pray for certain people and events and situations and that because he was doing this consistently it became a part of him and it, it was not it doesn't uh, uh, it, it, it get to a point where he actually doesn't need the clock anymore the alarm anymore so he or just he, he encouraged us that we should we should develop intercessor in us we'll talk to chapter 8 praying for the saint who are the saints the saints are the believers so he noted here that we are to pray for the saint there are many in the church many that are lost in the church who doesn't who don't know their right from their left these are responsibility the responsibility of those who have grown who have matured in the faith to pray for them to intercede for them and he gave uh, the scriptural reference from uh, Ephesians 1 15 to 19 and he talked of areas where we should pray for these people he talked about wisdom and revelation that we should also pray for ourselves in this line we should pray we should intercede for the believers the born again believers who are lost in the church who do not have divine insight about God people who are born again but they they, they are not walking in the light of God's word that is our responsibility to intercede on their behalf. It's our responsibility to pray for them. So God expects us to stand in the gap to pray for them. He also talked about the knowledge of God's will. We look at Colossians 1, 9. He talked about praying on the knowledge of God's will. Say, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There you see him emphasizing wisdom and spiritual understanding. It is something that the believer needs. It is something that the believer cannot do without. So it is expected that we intercede in prayers for believers to grow in their knowledge of God, to grow in their knowledge of God, and uh, and spiritual things so he also talked about the spirit of mind now he noted here that when he says the spirit of mind is not referring to the muscle to the physical strength no he said it refers it refers to the miraculous working ability of god through the spirit the spirit of mind not only gives us boldness but also brings you that overpowering force of extraordinary power that overcomes and surpasses strength itself. So that is just a, a short, you know, explanation of what the spirit of mind he was talking about. And that he said, this is something that the believer needs, that we need to pray for the spirit of might in the life of every believer. And we should also pray for that even for ourselves. Then he talked about Christ in our heart. We talk about having Christ in our heart. 
Now he said he, he read the scriptural reference there is Ephesians 3 14 to 17. The Spirit of God at several times inspired Paul to the church and instructing them in prayer. He said the, the, that is Ephesians 3 4, 14 to 17 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. So he emphasized there that Christ dwelling in the heart of the believer. He noted that, he noted another scripture, Colossians 1, 21, 27, where Paul was saying that Christ in you is the hope of glory. So Christ in the believer, Christ in us is our only hope of glory. That reason we need to pray for believers for Christ to be in them. Then he also talked about the love of Christ. The love of Christ. Now, he talked about here, the, that's the scriptural reference here is also Ephesians 13, Ephesians 3, sorry, 17 to 19. That ye be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes, which passes knowledge, that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that prayer that Paul prayed here, prayed, it was a prayer that the believer will have a revelation of the love of God in his daily work. That the believer will be able to comprehend, will be able to know the length, the breadth, the height and depth of the love of our Lord Jesus Christ who suffered, who died, for us we see that today you see majority of, of, of us believers sometimes we miss it we, time, we tend to pick offense where it's not even needed you know that is because sometimes we are overwhelmed with uh, probably the situation or circumstances at that particular time and then we react forgetting you know our mission forgetting our purpose that is what paul that's what the writer here was emphasizing you see some people like the writer emphasizes some people can say i cannot please you and displease myself it's a popular saying amongst unbelievers and believers and he noted here people who talk this way are people who lack understanding who do not have insight of what the plan of god is they are yet to have an understanding of the love of God. So it is our responsibility to pray for the people of God who do not have this insight into the love of Christ. He talked about utterance and boldness. Here he said we need to pray for the saints. We need to pray for them to be bold in preaching the word, to be bold in declaring the gospel. Then he talked about the love may abound. The love may abound. So he talked about, he prayed that love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. 
So this is a vital prayer that we need to pray for the believer and also pray for ourselves. So we must learn to intercede for others. We must learn to intercede for the saint as regards to this particular aspect. So he talked about praying for material need. Praying for material need, chapter 9. This is a this particular chapter is a chapter that is very uh, that has a great exposition, you know, a great revelation for me personally. He talked about, we looked at that. The scriptural reference there is first Corinthians 3 21 to 23. So there are some prayers he noted there. Say people praying, Father, give me a house. Lord, please give me a car. You know, please give me uh, uh, what I need for today to survive for today. We looked at we looked at that scripture, First Corinthians three twenty one to twenty three. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul, Apollos, Cephas, or the world all life, all death, all things present, all things to come, all are yours. And they are Christ. And Christ is God. This was an amazing scripture. So he emphasized there that we do not need to beg for what we need. That scripture said it all that everything are has they all belong to us you can imagine somebody begging for what is already is it's appalling so the writer really expanded on this particular this particular chapter he talked about my God shall supply all your needs. My God shall supply all your needs. He noted here that this is a fact. It's a fact, it's not a promise. That when a need is, we, we have a need, that we should know that our desire, our need is our expressions of God's desire for us. So he emphasized that. In fact, the opening, the, what he said in the opening uh, paragraph of that particular scripture, he said, "What we should note is that God is more willing to meet our need that we are willing to receive them." And as I meditate on that, I said, "This is very true," because when we look at what Jesus said, what Jesus said. But God already knows what we need even before we pray and begin to ask him for these needs. So it is very clear. And we look at our earthly father, when we begin to compare our earthly fathers, we see that even before our children, our children do not bother about what they will eat. They are not worried about it, their needs, because they have this confidence that uh, one way or the other, my parents will take care of it. So this is the kind of confidence that we are supposed to have as children of God. 
So he noted there and emphasized there in that scripture that that particular chapter that we are not supposed to be begging for what is ours already. God, our needs, by the time we, we, are, we are conscious of a need, it's already lined up for God's supply. You know, it's already lined up for, into God's supply system. So it is coming. We have received, it has been released already. All we need is to receive it. Then he talked about voice the supply, not the need. Where we have situation where having prayed, we'll still be saying, ah, I don't pray, I, I trust God, Sha. Things hard though, but I trust God. So we are still focused on our needs. But he told us in that particular, that particular chapter that we should be more conscious of the supply, not the need. And that it is not that we are just saying it, but we believe it. It is something we know. It is something we believe. So by the time we start focusing on our need, we start emphasizing the need, you know, we begin to to lose sight of God's provision. But all that we need for life, God has already made available unto us. He said, it is no longer give us this day our daily bread. He talked about the prayer Jesus taught the disciples before his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He said, it is no longer, that prayer is no longer the prayer we should be praying. Because in the sacrifice that Jesus paid, everything is covered. Our daily bread is a short thing. It's not something we are supposed to be asking for, fasting and praying to, to receive is something that is a short thing that's already released on us. Then he said, You shall lay up gold as dust. You shall lay up gold as dust. And he said, This has this when you say lay up gold as dust, it means your supply never ends. Our supply never ends likened it to when you wipe a surface you wipe dust off a surface within seconds you see the dust settling again back on that surface you see that is how it is for us as believers we will never run short of finances of whatever we need then he talked about don't stay in the finishing process that is, we should make up our mind not to focus on our lack. We should make up our make up our mind not to be lack conscious, but to be supply conscious. And he said we must bring ourselves to that position where we know by the time by the time we keep focusing on our lack, we see ourselves. You know, going down to zero because we are focusing on the lack and we are not declaring the supply, declaring the word, the supply that God has, you know, has given to us. Then we talked on chapter 10. We are going to move into chapter 10, the prophetic prayer. He defined prophetic prayer 
refer to it as a prayer in which you speak the will and purpose of God, you speak it into being by the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Prophetic prayer refers to the prayer in which you speak the will and purpose of God into being by divine inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So the scriptural request reference there, sorry, is Jonah 2, 1 to 4. It's talking about Jonah's prayer while he was in the belly of, of, the, of the fish. His prophetic prayer that he was praying in the belly of the fish. He moved forward to refuse to observe lying vanities. Lying vanities. You know, sometimes when you are passing through some challenges, some thoughts will just be coming. Some negative thoughts will just be coming. Could be because of the situation and circumstances or challenging time or trying time you are passing through unpleasant situation, unpleasant circumstances. You see that naturally the flesh will begin to, you know, some negative thought will begin to come. But we still we saw that in the case of Jonah, why he was even in the belly of the of the of the fish, he refused to have to, to accept the negative situation he found himself. He refused to to accept the gloomy circumstances and lying vanities he was seeing. Right there, he was praising God. He didn't allow that situation to weigh him down. He didn't give up. He was praising God right there. You know, right there, he was seeing the positive, not the negative. Turn your trials into triumphant praise. Jonah's situation, praising God in the belly of the fish. Praising God, and as he was praising God, God caused that same fish, which God instructed to swallow him up, that same fish, God also instructed that fish to, you know, to vomit him out in the shore, in the dry ground. So the same thing, when we, when we, when we find ourselves in difficult situation, in trying situation, we should turn that situation into a triumphant praise, into a, into a, a, a place of worship, of praising God, and then we we'll see God pulling us out of that situation. Prayer of worship, praise, and thanks given. That's chapter 11, prayer of worship, praise, and thanksgiving. Yeah, the scriptural reference here is Revelation 1, 6. Revelation 1, chapter 6. Also look at Psalm chapter 69, verse 30 to 31, where David wrote by revelation that worshiping, praising, and giving God thanks pleases God more than the sacrifices of bulls and goats. So, David by revelation was comparing the Old Testament uh, ways of, uh, uh, of offering sacrifice 
to praise worship and thanksgiving and he said this pleases god more than the sacrifice of bulls and goats then he talked about that, that under that, that particular verse in chapter we looked at lifting holy hands brings victory lifting holy hands brings victory the writer there talked about lifting hands in worship lifting our hands up in worship in worship to god brings us victory he noted that when we are passing through difficult times where we have prayed we have confessed we have we have done all we needed to do and there's no change that we should pray lifting up our hands and this is a sign of victory in the spirit and we'll see that we will prevail and that situation will turn around and we will be victorious then he looked at on that that same chapter talked about worship in the new testament and jesus noted there in john 4 23 jesus noted the characteristics of true worshipers and that true worshipers must worship the father in truth and in spirit and he said when he says worshiping the father in truth and in spirit it means that for one to worship God, that person has to be born again and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the only way through which one could worship God. Then he talked about the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Root sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And even in a situation where things are terrible a terrible situation or circumstances we must praise god and worship him and give him thanks and when we are praising god is there something he said there that it must come with reasons it's not just to verbally just be saying it saying god i thank you god i praise you the substance there is what God has done what are the reasons as we are praising God we are telling God I'm praising you for this I'm praying praising you for this I'm praising you for that then he talked about that even in that situation when we are in a, in a situation where we are facing challenge where there are trials and situation and, uh, uh, and circumstances that are that are challenging we should praise God we should give we should worship him we should give him praise and we will see him you know his power coming down mightily and turning that situation around for our good we'll see his, his, his power coming down mightily and we'll see the situation turning down turning around positively for our good he gave some instance in the scripture, the, the, the instance where Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat was faced with three nations 
coming together to to engage him in a battle and he cried to God and under divine instruction through praise putting singers in front as they were going for the battle God gave them victory he also cited uh, from the scripture where Paul and Silas were also arrested and they were praying they were singing praises to God and then we see the power of God coming down mightily with earthquake and the prison doors became open their bands were broken and God made a way for them so this was some, some scriptural reference he made it, finally we looked at looked at the sun and you won't see the shadows look at the sun and, and you won't see the shadows this simply means focusing on Jesus rather than your situation worshiping Jesus worshiping the Lord rather than focusing on whatever challenges you are passing through when you focus on the Lord in prayer in praise and worship you will see him doing exploits in your life so this is this brings us to the close or rather the end of this review of the book how to pray effectively what we have done so far is just uh, a summary of the book i would advise that you take your time to read it for yourself and then you will be able to get the full details and i promise you'll be blessed the information in the book will, will greatly enrich your life and i pray that all we have learned from this book will work in the light of the truth we have learned and we will see things changing in our lives we will see the power of god manifesting in our lives individually our families and even in our place of work even in the society at large when I was going through this book, something just registered in my spirit. You see, you see people in this our generation, famous, uh, you have this superstar. Maybe they are coming to a particular uh, town or city. You see people paying so much just to look at them. And they will not even get anything out of that meeting. But you see them so eager, even believers. You see them so anxious to meet with these so-called superstars. But we see that God has given us a key. God has given us prayer to bring change to not only our life, the lives of our family members, to even our nation. To even our nation. We see so many things going wrong in our nations. That prayer, the prayers of the believers can turn those situations around and yet we are not making effective use of this weapon that God has given to us but this book has has been an eye-opener for us this book is an inspiration for us to go back you know and charge up when it comes to prayer pray prayers that will change situation turn our life around and even turn our society our country around so god will help us be blessed even as you go through this review in jesus name